0: Strange things are afoot at the circle, kid. That kid is back on the escalator again!
1: Ain't gonna hurt.
0: Is
2: my boomstick! Game over, man! Game over!
3: Welcome to The Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason.
1: And he is your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And in this episode, we have a special guest, Jason Phillips. And tonight... We're meeting at the Learned Goat to talk about 2015's Bone Tomahawk. We assume that if you're listening to this episode, you've already seen the movie. So, gentlemen, Sandro, mm-hmm. Jason, welcome. Tell me, what did you think of this movie?
2: I was supposed to watch this movie before I came on the podcast?
3: Yeah, that's generally how it works, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, Ben just gave the disclaimer that if you're listening to this, we i guess he said if you're listening to this we assume you've watched the movie not if you're guesting on this
1: You old jason loophole phillips
2: that's what they call me they call me the loophole <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for, thanks for having me on guys uh my name is jason phillips um i uh i do a little bit of mo- movie reviewing myself i've known ben for quite some time sandra i don't know if we've actually met each other in real life we have oh we have okay it was years ago okay well in that case it's good to uh see you again or talk to you again
3: why don't you tell the people real quick what you do outside of this and then we'll get into the actual talk of the movie
2: uh do you mean like uh what what i do for work or no no
3: no. (laughs) (laughs) they don't need to know that they don't know what (laughs) ben and i do
2: um i like long walks on the beach um no sorry i yeah, like I was saying, I do a little <laughs> bit of movie reviewing on, like, Instagram. I have a podcast called uh, Blossom Buddies where we – it's a weekly podcast where we run down episodes of uh, the hit 90s television show Blossom. Whoa. Uh, yeah, and uh, outside of that, uh, that's how I'm connected to this uh, – that's the kind of the reason why I feel like you guys brought me on for my expertise on Blossom and Joey Lawrence.
3: Well, I mean – there's a huge crossover between Blossom fans and Bone Tomahawk.
2: It was not like terrible media.
3: I think uh, most people that watch Blossom want to scalp themselves. I,
2: yeah. Oh don't you know it? Alright, so let's get I into the actual see movie. Where conversations I, don't, I don't think people
3: tuned in for us to banter. Why don't we start with our guest? What did you think of Bone Tom Bone Tomahawk?
2: Okay, so I vaguely remember when this movie came out it being sort of a like a indie horror hit maybe more like a more of a cult following Um, I haven't thought about it since 2015 but when I saw the cover of the movie I was like oh yeah Um, I didn't really I don't want to come on the podcast and say I hated the movie because I didn't I didn't like the, the pacing of the plot and I didn't like most of the plot by and large however I did enjoy once it got to the shit like once they lost their horses sorry if I don't know how you guys deal with spoilers on the podcast but if the audience has already seen the episode you know at one point they lose their horses from then on it becomes interesting but I still have one of my major problems for instance was the them talking to each other was like a a tire turning in mud It just nothing happens it didn't go anywhere there wasn't, there were no like real big spiritual moments or, or moments where you're like, hey, that's, that's good foreshadowing. It was all just very much like they just said stuff to each other. And that was kind of the, the way this, this whole movie was presented to me. It was just a bunch of stuff that kind of happens until it got to the horror movie, which took an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> Counterpoint, Ben. <laughs> no, no, no I'm, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. This is, this is exactly where I expected this to start off.
3: Well, I actually, before I go, get into my thoughts on the movie specifically, want to ask, where where does the classification of horror come in here? Because I really had trouble with
1: that part of it. I believe it's uh, once the intense violence starts in the third
0: act.-hmm
1: Yeah, other than that, it's really your classic. Sweeping Western story filled with classic Western tropes and Western character development and actual dialogue to go again.
3: Like last and week, just... last week, when you prepped us for this movie, you said it was uh, Western cannibal horror, right? Yep. So I definitely got the Western. I definitely got the cannibal, although mm-hmm. that could have been more prominent in the movie. Mm-hmm um but i really didn't get the horror like yes there was killing there was some gore but I, I like my brain couldn't wrap around the concept of this being a horror
1: well i'm pretty sure that's implied with cannibalism and brutal gory violence
2: also the setup the opening of the movie was a, had a horror trope where it's just like two bumbling idiots who fall ass backwards into like the killer and then the first time you see one of the the cannibals it, it's got this like Thump 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 like it's a huge brooding monster. Of course, when you see him again in the uh, yeah in the stable, he's not. He's just seems like a guy. I was like, why did they change that? If they haven't revealed the monster yet, but I did get horror, especially with uh Sam Hag. What's his name? Sid. Sid Hag. Sorry, si- seeing Sid Hag immediately, you're like, Sid. oh okay, horror movie. And,
1: and so- then see. C- Go ahead, Ben. Cat, and you're like, oh um, I don't know about either of you two, but I watched this movie with uh, headphones on, and I thought the sound design was very much removed from a horror film. It was perfect. It was foreboding. the uh, the running like the steps of the person running at the beginning that Jason was talking about actually creeped me out and made me like turn my head to the left quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really well done. Um, the use of sound effects really played heavily to horror especially when you hear them off in the distance making the noises they make we'll get to that later trust me that is a massive complaint of mine but uh it it really felt almost haunting it made me feel nervous for the characters because there's something out there that's following them that they don't really know what like what it is
2: i i agree the sound design for the um the glorious scene in the movie to me was 100% right out of a horror movie i actually made a note i i i noted that the sound design for the scalping was especially visceral um mm-hmm. it sounded almost what you would expect that to sound like it didn't sound hokey you know it sounded like they had a foley artist who like witnessed somebody get scalped and and <laughs> cut in half lengthwise and i do agree with you on that
3: See, I think it would have been more impactful as a horror, at least in my mind, if we didn't see the cannibals for the first part of the movie. Because I did like that setup. Like, I started the movie and, like, right away, yes, two great actors, good setup. Um, Even just, like, the whole uh, scene in the barn, it's, it's very well done. It definitely has that horror vibe. But then as soon as you see them and they're just shooting each other, it... It's just murder but not horror to me
1: to me okay. anyway all right i get that yeah, for I sure agree with that a bit, but... so but anyway. if, if you let the reveal of the cannibals go until the very end of the movie i think that would have been a major letdown because you're building up a monster or a group of monsters for an hour and a half and then you're like oh okay people
3: but I mean, like, that I, just happens earlier. I think, sure.
1: Yeah, I know. But then you like you know at that point. So there, you don't have to worry about that build-up of like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Oh, it's just people. So... They, they
2: could have trimmed a lot why of... Why the...
1: lead us to belief? Sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, they could have trimmed a lot of the fat on this movie, though. It's a two-hour and 15-minute runtime for a ba- pretty either a basic Western plot or a basic horror plot. When you mix them together... Then you have these weird red herrings like the first time they set up camp. They're just shooting shots off into the woods. And then the next time they set up camp, there's the random Mexican dudes who show up. And those things could have been more, more closely related to the actual cannibal. Like the Mexican part didn't ever come back. I don't know what the point of that was.
1: I think they just needed something to happen because... It really does follow the standard plot of the classic Western rescue film, but there hasn't been one of those in a long time. And back then, you're you were allowed to just have them talk to each other while they're on a journey from point A to point B to rescue. And you can't really mm-hmm. get away with that in 2015. So they just kind of threw that in. It also really showed how uh, how racist um, Matthew Fox's character was.
3: Yeah. But there's no payoff to that either.
1: No, it just makes you dislike him more. And I think then at the at the uh, point where you know he's done for, and he's like, well, actually, not even that. When he hands the German, like the telescope thing yeah. to uh, everybody else, it's like before it was his prized possession and nobody else could t- touch it. Leading into this, you see how aggressive he is. The only reason he's going... Is he's racist and wants to kill indigenous people? Mm -hmm. Then he'll kill Mexicans, and then you just see his character turn as he's spending more time with these three honestly good people.
2: That's a good point. That is that's good character development there. That is kind of a payoff for my question that I didn't really see.
3: But I mean, they were going to need to get together a posse to go after these guys anyway, if the reasoning that he joins is that he's a racist that doesn't really come off too much later on. No. And
1: that's my problem with his character. It's because when you look at everybody else, like you look at, um, Sheriff Hunt, he's just this local sheriff who wants to do the best for the people that live in his town. Then you've got, um, Chickory, who's just his backup deputy, who is obviously a broken man. And, like, slightly slower mentally, Um, who'll do anything that Hunt says. Then you've got Arthur, who's going because he needs to rescue his wife, and then Bruder, who's just like, yeah, I'll go. I'll kill them. Like, Mm -hmm. I really could have had a better time with his character if there was more backstory other than he's rich and racist.
3: I guess
2: o'dwyer's character was especially hilarious to me he was the most like stubborn useless character i've seen in a movie in a long time i get that he wanted to you know go save his wife but dude it's you know it's the 1800s and you have a broken leg like you're if you and he fucks it he fucks it up multiple times excuse my language he he falls on it at least twice he rebreaks it at one point right it's that leg has to come off in this era and this dude's just like nope give me some opium and i'll follow best i can and
1: and it's obviously infected they were going to amputate
2: (laughs) it somehow still saves the day so anyway (laughs) we'll we'll get to that
3: (laughs) so to answer your question ben i didn't dislike this movie
1: but i didn't really Mm -hmm. like it either I got I don't I don't see you as a Western fan. I'm so not. the fact that you're even okay with it, I will take that as a win for me.
3: My biggest issue is probably the runtime and the slow burn yeah. to, to nothing. Cause Same. I actually really got into the intro and I was digging the setup. I was hoping that David Arquette's character would maybe be on some sort of redemption storyline to join the posse or something um but either way i was i was I was curious to see what happens. I think I actually went back and looked at it after the fact and that barn scene you see one of the cannibals and it's at about twenty eight minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. don't see them again until one hour and thirty seven minutes in. oh wow. And that whole entire time, they're just walking and talking. And that's where the movie lost me. To the point that when it picked up in the final act a bit more, it was kind of like the movie was on a bit of a redemption to get me. And, and I'm already starting a lap behind. Like I wasn't on equal footing. Like it lost me and it was just a mm-hmm. hard sell to get me back into it. And while it was a much yep. more enjoyable final act there still wasn't that much action that I could say it was enough to make up for an hour of slow
1: burn. Okay. Yeah. I totally understand that. Um, what that says to me though, is that you wouldn't like sixties and seventies Western films because that's exactly what it was. And that's why I loved it so much because that's stuff I grew up on. Um, Like I said, going back to having to have action in a rescue movie to keep people interested because you can't use that same formula anymore. It's the exact same thing as saving Private Ryan. The whole point was a group of soldiers going to rescue a lost soldier. And then they would Mm -hmm. just use points of history throughout as action pieces.
2: But there's a glowing, Uh, there's a glowing.
1: Yes, there, there is was a, a glow. There,
2: there's a glowing difference there. At the end of Saving Private Ryan, they don't go fight cannibals to get the titular Ryan <laughs> back. I, I understand that like a Western that's slow in plotting makes sense. And I even understand maybe a horror movie. Like it follows is kind of like, you know, nothing really happens in that movie, but it's still foreboding. But when you come it seems like when you combine Western and horror, you kind of gotta get to the, the nitty gritty. And also have them you know talking like it's a Western but this had that hour and a half in the middle that was just like just watching these guys walk it's kind of like Lord of the Rings in that respect you know where it's just like the first the opening great the ending the last 45 minutes pretty good that middle part where they're just traveling and there's no there's no suspense there's Mm -hmm. a little bit obviously because it's nighttime sometimes but the suspense is just all it is is like, will the dude with the broken leg make it? That's that's yeah. what I that's what I kept wondering. All right, I will say this:
1: uh, it is very much an unbalanced movie. I
3: think it's the issue two, is that they it's didn't. two different types. The issue is that they didn't just dive headfirst into the western aspect. If it was just a western, and let's say these weren't cannibals, they were just. Natives that were angry for X reason. Mm -hmm. Then going into it, you know, this is a Western and this is what I can expect. But you make it a horror, you make them cannibals, and you change the perception of what people are expecting when they go into the movie. So then when they have an hour of plotting very traditional Western, it doesn't fit.
1: So do you think, then, if that they, were, they switched out the opening for a more traditional Western opening and kept the same ending, it would be a more enjoyable film?
3: I think so. One, because it would change the audience that's going to watch the movie. Because in this case, mm-hmm. you're probably relying a little bit more heavily on horror fans tuning mm-hmm. into a more dominant Western movie, where even if Western mm-hmm. fans are a smaller demographic, if you take out that very horror first act, which is, in my opinion, the only part that really fits into horror, because even in the third act, if you just... Okay, cannibals have to kill people to eat them. They're not going to eat live people, right? Yep. If that is all a Western and that's what you put forward, if I went into the movie thinking, okay, I'm not a fan of Westerns, but I'm anticipating watching a Western then I'd say, this movie was good because it accomplished that. But when I go into it expecting a horror, I'm like, "Ah, I think they kind of missed the mark on that.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think I also misled you by telling you about it uh, last episode. Because when I described it to uh, people earlier today, when I was telling them we were going to record, I described it as a Western movie with a horror twist at the end. And they're like, oh, okay, I like Westerns. That would be interesting
2: but to that point i i i see what sandra's saying because like if it if he, if it was billed as a western and then the third act is this brute like if it was if they doubled down on the goriness even not just one not just one really gross thing if it, they get to the camp and it's just a bloodbath you know then it would have been like oh what a surprise what a crazy ending sequence to a movie but when you set it up the way they did with the opening having that horror trope of like two bumbling idiots fall ass backwards into an indian burial ground you know then you're like you you want to see little bits of of horror through it even though it's by and large a western i think we can all kind of agree that that's that's where it missed the mark in a lot of ways
1: yeah, I do agree with that. You're right.
3: Can I say I love that first scene? Me too. Oh, It's so good. Like they start off. It's so good. They start off with their best foot forward. Those are two good actors. It's a great. Exp- <clears throat> ben,
1: come on. <laughs>
2: David Arquette <laughs> is an amazing actor. Okay. Well, okay. the
1: thing is, I think he is in this movie an amazing actor. He did Not a great job in the movie just for the opening scene but when he's in the bar and kurt russell walks up to him because there's the stranger in town it and shoots Katie him
2: Callagher, for no reason he's so
1: good as
2: soon as you <laughs> right.
3: as as, you, as soon as you said he was great in this movie that's the scene i thought of because mm-hmm. i thought that conversation between uh him and kurt russell's character was fantastic all the little subtleties it really was the way that kurt was kind of inspecting, like investigating him, you know, it would occur to me that you'd know the day if you had a rendezvous, like that scene was so well done. And both of those actors really shone there.
2: And they're both big name actors compared to everybody else.
1: Uh, I just want to go uh, off the track here a little bit. And how uh, of the two of you, (laughs) does anyone think that the director was like, Kurt Russell's got a wicked mustache from the hateful eight. Let's sign him right now. Could be almost the exact same facial hair. And the movies came out the same year. Anyway, back to the story.
2: It could be honestly, like I saw, I looked up the director and the other two movies he did where it was like a cop movie and a prison movie. Yeah. both with Vince Vaughn, by the way. I'm actually interested to watch the rest of this guy's filmography, just because Vince, you put Vince Vaughn in a in a prison movie, but uh,
1: Brawl in Cell Block 99 is one of the, the most violent movies I've seen.
2: Like the music video for that Slayer song, Oh, it's uh, Repentless,
1: close, <laughs> close, um. Can we go into the uh, other actors a little bit more? Sure. What do you want to know? Uh, I want to talk about Bruder a bit. Um, For not having much character development, but having a bit of a character arc towards the middle and the end, do you think Matthew Fox actually did a really good job at that, given the fact that he was just given a shit character from the beginning?
2: Well, yeah, I have thoughts on that for sure. So, We open up the movie, Bruder is introduced as like this, you know, we're all wearing all white. He's a cock, you know, he, the best line in the movie is him saying an intelligent man doesn't get married, Mm -hmm. but he, he, he didn't even try to put on a Western accent. Maybe he's from New York. So maybe he doesn't have that Southern drawl. Right. But he did. He just sounded like he sounds like on lost, you know, he just sounded like he sounds like on party of five for the most part. And then I thought that he didn't want to be there, but then you just realize he's he's a good actor, so he he managed to make you hate him right out of the gate. But it was kind of like mm-hmm. the wrong kind of hate—it's kind of like go away hate, as they say in professional wrestling. Um, <laughs> but that it that in itself does sort of have a, a decent arc. I thought I I like I ended up liking that character, and he was the obvious villain through most of the movie. So. You know what I mean? Like I, I enjoyed his his uh his work.
1: Well you make the reference to Lost. He was basically playing Sawyer.
2: Yeah, that, man, what a good that's hilarious you should say that. That's a really good uh realization.
1: Yeah. Uh, I did love uh at the end, um as he's dying, where he tells Chickory how many he killed
2: yeah, 116
1: 116 and you're like this is why he wanted to go and he killed them all because of what happened to his family mm-hmm. like so for everybody else this is a rescue mission for him it's just revenge I'm like this makes perfect sense why this character would be such an asshole sandro I have, any thoughts
3: i have a couple thoughts One, I think that his character was necessary because as uh, Jason had just kind of suggested there, he was the villain. When you have a villain in the movie that is a bunch of cannibals that are not getting screen time and are not really present in that way, you need somebody else to carry that. Mm Mm-hmm. And second, I thought he did a great job. I have a very simple theory on characters like this. Uh, It's kind of like Joffrey from Game of Thrones. My thought is, if you hate the character, but that's the intention, it's a character that you're supposed to hate, and you hate them, then they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Like it's almost I like, like he
2: made choices out of the gate to be like, oh, they're gonna see Matthew Fox, and they you know, most people know I'm a good actor, so I'm gonna make it seem like I don't even want to be in this movie. So people ha like it subverts their expectation. And then I'll then when their guard is down, I'll show them, no, I'm this is what this character is supposed to be like.
3: I didn't really get the impression that he didn't want to be there as in the actor in the movie. I got the impression that the character thought he was above everything that was around him
2: right yes yeah
3: like when you I agree when you watch the scene with the pianist right and it, it's hilarious the, it's the same question that i would have had like shouldn't it get cheaper when you commission more right but it just goes to show like he's he's got this expectation this knowledge this perception of how things should be. And all of this stuff around him is just amateur hour, right? And a lot of that might've been the visual imagery because you look at it and it's like, yes, he's got this pristine, like clean white outfit. He's freshly groomed, but this is the West. He's killed 116, uh, I don't know, do we call them savages, natives, cannibals, whatever, right? And yet he's still takes the time to look good right it really came off as an as a more arrogance to the character
1: to me not the actor
2: okay cool i agree with that too um yep.
1: i think that that really goes hand in hand with what jason said about him feeling like he's from uh, new york he's obviously richer than most he comes across as more educated than most there he has a disdain for being there, so he's obviously an outsider, and I think he's really looking down on everybody else around him.
2: I would also take a prequel about Bruder.
1: <laughs> I would take a sequel about him. That would be a very short film. That would be opening credits and end credits.
3: Nah, Here's man. Zombie cannibals. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> they find him and turn him into one of those horrible creatures i like i i struggle with the same thing do we actually call the, this group of people indigenous because it you know i don't know like you can't call them indians obviously but like what what do you call a group of like of cannibals besides cannibals is that is that we offensive? can just say cannibals okay <laughs> but they're
3: they're not just cannibals like i'm sure ben wants to talk about it but the apparatuses that they have in their throats
1: we'll get we'll get there trust me we will get there yeah we're getting there <laughs> yeah. now I, No, i still want to talk a couple more characters fine we get i'll into hold on
3: to That's that thought go ahead movie. go ben i'll i'll hold on It's uh,
2: what the people want we got to save it for the end of the show or else people will stop listening they want to know <laughs> what we think about the the apparatus
1: uh, um the whole thing with arthur o'dwyer how he gets his injury from taking a new job as a foreman i thought really showed how committed he is to trying to further himself and his family and i think that commitment carries through as to why he wants to go along with the group on this rescue mission i am surprised he's one of the survivors like jason said he should have been dead like six times over but I think he was the symbol of hope in the movie, where everyone else was just kind of like, I do the right thing. I'm an asshole. I'm a follower. And you've got one guy who's just like, I'm going to do whatever I have to to make sure that my wife is okay.
2: Well, all the God hand things happen to Arthur's character, all the like, that shouldn't, he shouldn't yeah. have survived that moment everybody else terrible mm-hmm. things happen to all of literally everyone terrible 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 shit no redeeming moments but everything that happens to him has an ex machina like oh shit he got out of that because he just happened to aim properly and the guy missed with his bone tomah- tomahawk you know
1: yeah
2: and i that's yeah. he's the main character right
1: that's
3: I don't know. a
2: good question
3: like i always got the feeling that i don't kurt russell was the main character
1: Yeah, I, I really don't know. I well, don't know if this actually, if this film has a lead.
2: Whose point of view is the movie from?
1: Uh, I would say 50-50 uh, Kurt Russell and Patrick Wilson.
2: Yeah, okay. I like that.
1: Uh, um, one thing I did find really interesting uh, throughout the movie is when you see everybody together as a group, Matthew Fox always takes the lead ahead of Kurt Russell right down to after shooting the Mexicans. Mm -hmm. He makes Kurt Russell uh, put his gun away first when they're drawn on each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, when they take off out of the town, he uh, actually rides ahead of Kurt Russell, who slowly falls to the back. And Matthew Fox is always the first one to do everything, even when it's going through the canyon. Uh, oh yeah, because he's the like the first to
2: die. He's like, I'm going to go ahead if you don't get my signal in 30 seconds. And then I I feel like that moment was played like it was 31 seconds or 32 seconds because he he's looking at a stopwatch and then he does like yep. a big sigh and then the rock comes. So that's even Matthew Fox's character still taking the lead on something. You know, being like, mm-hmm. you'll know when I'm ready and I'm going to make you wait still. A second, if it has to come down to me being in the me being in control here. Yeah. Sandro, comments? Nope. Okay, Are you sure then. it wasn't all just from the point of view of the pianist? He was drunk and half asleep. <laughs> Here's
1: another uh, little side note for you, uh, Sandro. I don't know. I don't remember this character at all, but. Do you remember a um, mayor of the town? No. No, me neither. I remember. There is apparently a, a mayor who he is played in... by... Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, he's the guy that comes... He's the other nice-dressed guy who comes in uh, right the like the morning after the horses, the, the stable. Oh, yes. Bit. He yes, comes yes. in and he's like, what are you going to do for me? He's only in there for like a minute.
1: Yeah. He's played by Jameson Newlander who uh, we both should know as Alan Frog from the Lost Boys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: You're going on a streak of having (laughs) Lost Boys brought up on every episode, aren't you? (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, there's a reason for that.
3: (laughs) Um, (laughs) What other characters did you want to talk about, Ben? Because I don't know if there is anybody else that was really worth talking about.
1: Yeah, no, I just really wanted to bring up uh, O'Dwyer, really. I mean, kurt russell's character sheriff hunt is pretty cut and dry like he's a he's a cookie cutter character and same as chicory but it was really Bruder and o'dwyer that i thought we should spend some time on
2: i also i wanted to bring up samantha actually lily simmons is a is a good actor but also she they actually represented a woman as being strong and somewhat independent in the wild west which you really don't see very frequently also, yeah. I I really I enjoy her work on Gotham as uh, adult Selena Kyle, so just want to shout out to Lily Simmons. I think she did a good job in this film.
1: Also, having her play the uh, the doctor's assistant, knowing that when you know he's drunk, uh, she's able to actually take care of everybody in the town. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And let's not forget about poor Dip. De- Nick. <laughs> oh, God, that character. Nothing good ever happened to that character.
2: I completely forgot about him for about two hours of the movie. They introduced him, yeah, and then I... he's, just, he's gone with, with uh, David Arquette and, and Samantha, and then he's like, oh, yeah. fuck, everything is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Who is that guy? Oh, yeah, it's Deputy Nick.
1: Okay, there's a scalp gun. Oh, God. Bisected. Honestly, guys, I have to admit, this is the first time I actually learned the meaning of the term troglodyte.
2: (laughs) It's like inbred indigenous person?
1: Uh, Cave dwellers. Oh, right, yes.
2: Yeah. I always thought it was more offensive than that. I mean, if you live in the caves, you're probably inbred, so.
1: Fair enough.
2: Because that's what I always took it as. Or Rambo. Rambo, yeah he's a troglodyte because he lives in a cave
1: caves in first blood what uh what do you guys think about the first uh the first attack out of nowhere with like the arrows and like the volley of rocks
2: that was a holy
1: shit moment for me
2: i liked i like the uh the realism in a lot of the practical effects and Mm how like that's if an arrow hit you in the hand you know that's probably what would happen
1: yeah even Chicory, though getting the uh, the rock to the forehead. Yeah, I thought he was dead immediately.
2: So I I do want to I do want to talk about this before I forget to. I will say the mo- the movie for being an independent horror film is visually stunning. I watched it on I watched a a Blu-ray rip in 1080p on a 4K TV and it it popped. It felt like I was watching an indie film. That was filmed on a Hollywood lot with yeah, and did, did you amazing ca- No, I didn't even look at the budget.
1: Look, think of all the actors in that movie. Think about how good it looked. Think about set design. Budget was $1.8 Wow.
2: Did it make money?
1: No. Oh. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> it made less than a third of its money back.
3: Oh, shoot. I'm not overly surprised.
1: Yeah, it's more of a festival film than like a theatrical movie, I think.
3: Well, I mean, even when I just look at the genre classification, I I find it hard to believe that they would have done proper marketing for this movie to get people's attention on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know I'm not I'm not the true test or anything. I'm not the true test or anything. But like when you said the movie's name, I had no idea what
1: it was.
2: If somebody told me this was based on a graphic novel, I would also believe them. Because mm-hmm. it does have also, that
1: vibe. What a weird choice for the title. Something that really doesn't play that big of a role in the movie.
2: Yeah, I think about three are shown total. Yeah. It's a cool. It's a I'm cool also se- confused.
1: Were they trying. I actually, like, shoved the handle of a bone tomahawk down Kurt Russell's throat.
2: I think Whatever and they did, it, decided, it knocked him out. Uh, it was a weird moment, but I was like, what? They're yeah. going to kill him right now? And then he, like, just bops it, and then he's out, so.
3: Yeah. Well, they probably don't want to kill people immediately, because it would spoil the meat.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And they, obviously, they have cages set up for that, that they, they know that, right? Uh, yeah. They're not wasteful cannibals
1: but they are alcoholics apparently (laughs)
2: like give me that liquor immediately
1: (laughs) uh while we're on the topic of like what happened in the the cave um did either of you find it disturbing when uh, the three are leaving at the end and they walk by the blind amputated pregnant women
2: yeah, I was gonna. I, I was hoping we'd go to that next because that, it, if that was explored a little bit more, they only mention it at one point. But if that was explored a little bit more, that's horror. That whole that image is one of the most horrific things in the movie, besides a guy getting bisected. Um, yeah. But I didn't think they'd show it. I thought it was a a MacGuffin to be like, there's twelve of them out there. Oh, there's two less now. I thought that was just like a, you know, how they put a timer in movies to sort of put you on edge i thought yeah, they were I gonna. Thought, I, I thought, thought it that was, was going to be a big deal but
1: i thought it was i'm trying to uh cover up the lack of uh money in the production mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how so tell tell don't show
3: hmm.
1: i'm glad they did though because it was creepy as all hell
2: well i mean yeah, that's such a weird concept that i feel like you can't just show and not explore a little bit but I guess it leaves it up to imagination. Mm-hmm. I found that most of the movie Midsommar messed with me because of just the fear of not really knowing what's going on. And that that those pregnant amputee blind with the, they had like corks in their eyes, which is really unsettling to me. Yep. I'm going to think about the 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 bisecting and the the pregnant women more than I'm going to forget most of this movie except for those two things will stay with me.
3: Well, look at the contradiction. We have A female character that's like strong educated a doctor and then we have this savage cannibal group who views women as baby incubators and nothing
2: more just like in Ben's favorite movie Furry Road excuse me your your favorite movie Fury Road basically the same idea that they just keep the women fat and pregnant they get all the the water and resources but they're just being as baby incubators, really. It's less horrifying, somehow. (laughs) But...
3: (laughs) I mean, it screams... That's when you describe it like that. Yeah, right? (laughs) It contributes to the idea of wasted potential to me, because you really could have gone further with the cannibals. Like, you have the fantastic intro, you have this mentality of how their society works, you have these things in their throat... Which, whenever Ben is ready to talk,
1: <laughs> we'll talk about. I'm 100 ready to talk about that right now. <laughs> okay.
3: But like, there's such an opportunity there to make them so much more horrific, and they don't take it for the vast majority of the movie.
2: Yeah, and yeah. a good example before we get to the before we get to the apparatus thing. Um, I just want to my prime example of the movie having dialogue that's just about nothing. Is Chickory is like half knocked out. He sees, you know, he sees that he's pretty much done, and then he tells this, this story about a flea circus. And fleas—the whole point of a flea circus was back when the traveling road show would come to town. There would be this, this mechanized thing that looks like <clears throat> things are moving on their own, and it's supposed to be the fleas are controlling it. And then and then the sheriff is like yeah of course what you saw was real and he seems so happy so i was like okay at least now he's gonna die because of this happy realization that always happens for people that are about to die in movies and then or sorry i think it's actually samantha who says it's real and then she then she she winks at the sheriff like huh got him and then they just survive the situation so there was a lot of moments like that in this movie where they just say something you want it to have a deeper meaning Because at least if it has a deeper meaning, then it would, you know, it would that would be the art of the dialogue in the film. But a lot of times there just wasn't there no payoff for even the dialogue. And I think the all the ideas for this movie are in place. There's a lot of good stuff happening, but the execution really falls flat on its face most of the time. I disagree. Okay,
1: Um, I think the the use of the uh, the flea circus story just goes to show what type of character chicory is it goes hand in hand with him asking the sheriff when he can't sleep if he's ever read a book in the bath and it just kind of goes on and he talks about how like he's tried repeatedly and he'll get pages wet or sometimes he drops them in and then the sheriff is just like why don't you get one of those music stands it's like oh yeah it's like him having an issue that he doesn't understand how to deal with or he can't he can't cope with the fact that he's never been able to do it properly and he's he's kind of um second guessing himself okay. when it comes to something he wants to believe in yeah, and, I know, kinda, that's why he's so sub, sub he's so like he submits to the sheriff at every opportunity I and it's just m- him with people in general
2: I kind of miss that element of it from that because i was so like i said i was so like that's one of those like ah, oh, pa i could see the i could see the the field am i gonna go to the field pa like one of those moments once a character's about to die yeah. but then he doesn't die and he's one of the survivors and he's probably going to be the sheriff now yeah which is <laughs> it's, its own <laughs> horror movie on its own that's terrifying <laughs> uh,
1: i i think it it really is it just shows that everybody who knows Chickory is looking after him because okay. he's yeah. not capable of taking care of himself. Um, I thought it was actually a touching scene, the flea circus scene.
2: I think it was meant to be touching, but I was, uh, jaded by that point.
1: <laughs>
2: Great job. <jerk>. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't,
1: I can't disagree. <laughs> uh, with Ben with who? Ben, wait. We're, it's you and me. You're obviously disagreeing with me.
3: Obviously, Ben, don't be a tease. You said we could talk about the apparatuses.
1: Oh yeah, like the weird predator calls.
3: Yes. And we never got back to it. Stop derailing.
1: Okay. Talk about it. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. This is this is your time. Time to shine. No, no. I I, I just.
3: I just wanted to make a reference to it earlier and you said, oh, we're going to talk about that later.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll get right into it then. I think the sound itself is awesome. I I agree. I agree. Where they used it, it is perfect. When you hear it throughout their journey at night, fantastic. When you see somebody trying to perform it, it is one of the dumbest things I have ever seen.
2: Well, he's just blowing through it. It has to be like, how, like, were they equipped in, like, sewn into their throat from birth? Like,
1: it has to be implants, right?
2: Yeah, but like, that's not a
1: natural evolution.
2: No, not at all. But when do they get it implanted? And how do they
3: survive it? These guys amputate a broken limb.
2: There are questions.
3: Like, there's no reason that these guys should have the capability, technology, or knowledge to do this. And survive it, and the
1: yeah, and the amount of work that uh, that. Uh, why am I forgetting his name right now? Damn it, um, O'Dwyer. Uh, the amount of work that he has to go through to cut it out of the throat.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't watch that.
1: like weird, like veins and
2: all shit, that shit. Like, he was it. pulling off of it.
1: Yeah, it took him forever to clear it. I'm not even sure what it was.
3: And that's part of the wasted potential. Like They could have just gone full-out horror and made these guys supernatural in some way. I mean, they're dipping the toe into all of these different things, but they won't commit and dive into any one of them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think Jason talking about a sequel earlier, I could easily see them doing a prequel instead and have mm-hmm. it mainly focus on the origins of this tribe of cannibals. Uh, more so than like the people, like your, your standard heroes who they will encounter throughout the film. Um, honestly, we do have these questions, but I don't think they could be answered in a, decent enough way to make it acceptable
2: yeah like the burial I
1: think okay not knowing yeah
3: yeah see and I, that's yeah, another it's... part of the beginning that made me think it's going to go more towards horror because these two doofuses are going through a burial ground i'm like okay are they going to rouse some spirits or like
2: no no
3: or at least we don't know
2: Cause I thought this was going to be a slasher hor- horror western where that that first time you see one of the cannibals as a shadow figure with the thudding, that was going to be mm-hmm. how you knew the monster was coming. But then halfway through the movie, they change it. They don't make that thudding sound, but you hear the howl. So it's like, did the did the director have some other idea that he changed during writing or production, you know, or did he just add that in to make you think like a misdirect?
1: Well, this actually, uh, I think, plays more to Sandra's perspective on the movie. And apparently the the finished film was almost exactly like the first draft of the script.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. So it didn't go through that vetting process or in-depth analyzation process, like that analysis of how can we flesh this out here? Do we need this there? Can we remove it? They just kind of went with what they originally had
2: so no Which focus groups
1: it, exactly <laughs> but in my opinion the final product if that was the case is pretty stellar but like sandra said if they developed it a bit more would come up with a bit more of a polished product that i think would appeal to a larger audience
3: i'm going to be honest ben like if this movie was just a western, and they didn't dip their toe into the horror aspects, kept mm-hmm. it kept it as just a rescue mission from murderous natives for X reason, it might be the first mm-hmm. western that I actually enjoyed. At the same time...
1: Oh, that's impressive.
3: At the same time, if they went all-out horror and embraced that, and continued the rest of the movie like they did the first act, made them supernatural, maybe didn't show you them, just more like the silhouettes and things like that, and just fully embrace the horror part of it, I probably would have enjoyed it as a horror. As such, it just feels like wasted potential in two different genres.
1: So it made you feel kind of uncomfortable, like a burning hot flask inserted into your rib cage.
2: No. Oh my god. <laughs> that was horror. That, But that was also just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that was obviously just thrown in for shock value.
2: Yeah, he cuts them and I was like, "Okay, that makes sense." And then he's like, it, it, "They're pissed that it wasn't booze and that they tried to trick them." So it's like, "I'm going to you tried to put this poison in me, I'm going to put this poison in you." But since they're like psychotic, crazed, you know, savage, cannibal yeah. things, he his like understanding of revenge is like put it in through your bones and skin. <laughs> That's how I read that scene.
1: yeah it is by far not a perfect film but i think it's fair to say that it's a a very entertaining film um even looking at reviews online imdb 7.1 rotten tomatoes it's a 73 for the audience but a 90 for critics um it has its fans. It has found an audience, but it's definitely not a movie for everybody. Would both of you agree on that?
3: I think 100%. I've made it pretty clear up until now that I agree with that. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, let's get into our closing thoughts then. Let's start perfect. with our guest. Is this a recommendation?
2: Um. So I'm going to... I wanted to wait until we talked about it. Uh, What I do is I watch a movie and then I just give it a little paragraph write up. I'm going to give this movie a 2.8 out of five. And I know Ben's going to be like, what, what man, but I fought with this for a while. I'm going to say, recommend if you want to watch a film filled with, don't do this in your film moments, but also if you, if you're a fan of cinematography and sound design, watch this movie if you like kurt russell kurt russell is easily the best thing about this movie because he's the he's a world-class actor who does b movies um so on that note i do recommend this movie by and large but if you don't like if you want a horror movie and and get or if you want a horror movie straight horror or if you want a straight western it's neither of those things and it doesn't mm-hmm. quite meet in the middle of in a in a great way it sort of it sort of falters where it needed to be built up um on both of those sides of the of the genre scale i guess if that makes sense
1: oh
3: man
2: i agree i I think that makes sense
3: we don't do scores you're gonna put us on the spot
2: now no you don't have to do a score i'm just gonna (laughs) i'm just gonna hold myself (laughs) accountable by saying the score now before i look at what the metacritic said before i look at what rotten tomatoes says I'm just holding myself accountable. So you guys do you. <laughs>
3: um, I'll let Ben go last. Uh, do I recommend... Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, I mean, you are the host. Um, All right, fair Do I recommend this movie? No. Go ahead, Ben.
1: <laughs> yeah, saw that coming. Um... I am a major fan of horror, as we know. I also love Western films. This has great elements of both that just haven't been blended together properly. Uh, The acting, I think, is phenomenal. Sound design is great. The cinematography is wonderful. Um, Is it for everybody? No. Would I recommend it to at least give it a shot once? Yeah, I would recommend this movie, of course.
3: All right, so I guess the next question is, Ben, what are we watching next?
1: Well, I can't wait to be beaten down yet again about my selection. (laughs) So stop selecting them. (laughs) But no. Uh, next, Next week's episode is going to be 1995's Demon Knight.
0: Universal Pictures is proud to present the motion-picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! cut! Cut, 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 Oh, hello, kiddies. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Cryptkeeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. I'm directing my first feature film. Care for a little shriek preview? <coughs> for my big scream premiere, i wanted lots of suspects special effects sex violence the kind of thing you could really sink your teeth into frights camera action it's about a chase through the ages a race against time (laughs) the war between good. Come on out, everybody. time to play. And the final battle between man... (gasps) I'm sorry. ...and demon.
2: I'm not gonna hurt you. I lied.
0: It stars Billy Zane from Dead Calm, William Sadler from Die Hard 2, and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. The hair! The Demons are here! And ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky. Whoa! Thank you!
3: <laughs> Alright, so that's gonna be next week. If you have thoughts on Bone Tomahawk, feel free to leave any sort of comment, message. Uh, We're on uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, at BS Bargain Bin. Until next time, Jason, thank you for joining us.
1: Have a good one. All the best, guys.